You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 83. Certainly you have time for a coffee break, right? This is Human Trafficking Coffee Break Training. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking with an iced vanilla latte. Ah, yes. Actually, I'd like uh, a caramel macchiato. I feel like we should call each other barista for this episode. Okay. That sounds good. But somehow that that would help get the message out even better. Well, um, I start my morning with a double espresso. Ooh. Um, and that's, it's the way we do things at my house. I have heard about this at your house, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right now the morning starts with a Trader Joe's cold-pressed uh, concentrated coffee here, but that varies depending on the month as to what the caffeine of choice is, but... You know, the thing is, is we talked about on the last episode, the importance of time economics and how we're using our time. And almost all of us have time or make time for a coffee break, right? Or some version of that. And so when we saw this new resource that came across, we thought, ooh, this is a good way to really look at getting some traction on prevention for not a really big investment of time or resources. It's kind of like the opposite of last time's podcast where you had to get up to 30,000 feet and see the big picture and it might feel a little overwhelming. What we want to do today is look at something you can do in a very short amount of time. In fact, Dave and I only have one page printed on one side for this entire podcast. Which is less paper than we normally have, even oh. though everyone else doesn't see it. But yeah, that's <laughs> Usually right. we that's have a right. few stacks of paper going on. Now, you know, when we find tools that are very user-friendly, we want to share them with you. And we do share lots of tools and resources with you. This one you can use in so many different ways. If we brainstorm... Um, I could think of using it because I'm a nurse for a change of shift meeting at, at the hospital. Let's do a coffee bake break training on human trafficking. Um, I thought of another thing. You could do it for coffee break at the Greyhound bus station with all the employees there. Hmm. How about you, Dave? Uh, you, this could be a coffee break uh, in an organization. This could be a part, a small part of a staff meeting when we talk about how we're serving the community. There's so many different places that this could could be a part of. And we should say, by the way, what this is formally called. It is put out by the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign, and it is called Human Trafficking Coffee Break Training. So So, there you go. um, Get your cup of coffee. We'll give you, okay, Put push the pause button. Go get your coffee. Come back. Okay, now, are you comfortable? Let's do this. Let's roll. So the the coffee bake training page is divided into two parts. And the first um, answers the question, what is human trafficking? Who are the victims? 
And the second um, answers the question, how do I identify human trafficking? And those are the three questions that everybody can learn the basics about. So this is essentially, Sandy, the um, the, re- the Coffee Reference Society is a one-page, a quick overview of what is human trafficking and what can I do to help is right. the b- good way to think of it. And these are, and it's intended to be used for someone or an organization that really doesn't, maybe they've heard the term human trafficking, but doesn't really know very much about it. This is this is kind of the starting point, right? Right. Because I like, I have pages and pages and Dave, you can look at them as I flip them here. I see them. Um, about how to identify human trafficking if you're a healthcare professional and here are all the diseases and here are the signs and symptoms and it goes page and page and page and lots of technical terminology. Which if you're a nurse or yeah. a healthcare professional is important to know. And and we've done a little bit back in previous podcasts on um, what healthcare professionals should be looking for. But if you're not a healthcare professional, there are still some simple things you can look for. And instead of giving them great, big um, 75 cent words, then we're, we're going to use a little more community-based vocabulary about behavior and physical, state, social, uh, work conditions, those kinds of terms. So Sandy, if we looked at it through the lens of some of the other things we've talked about in the show, I think about like the trafficking in persons report, the annual report that's put out by the State Department is a wonderful resource for the people who are part of the people who listen to this show and this community of people who get into the details of that. And you and I examine that in great detail every year when it comes out. And but this is really designed for the average person on the street who exactly. may not, it would not read, it's not going to go and read a 75 page report from the State Department, but might spend five minutes to say, okay, I know I've heard something about this human trafficking thing. What is it? And what's maybe one simple thing I could do or I could be aware of that would help prevent this? And, and sometimes, um, we, we have really good intentions and we want people to feel what we feel. So we'll go and say, can I come to your small group? I'm going to show this documentary and we're going to teach you all about human trafficking. And people are leaving that like um, stunned um, and not really equipped to actually do something. So even if you're doing a bigger project, um, you're showing a film, this might be a really good way to wrap it up at the end of that so that people leave with a tool that is usable right now. Mm, I like that. And and so we'll, of course, put the link to this in the show notes so everyone can get access to well, it, and it's freely available online. And if you do this, I would love it if you signed on and told us how you did it. If you did it with your youth group or your small group or someplace at work, um, that would, and if you meet at a coffee shop, that would be even more fun because I'd like to have pictures of what you ordered. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's summer. We can have fun. Why not? So let's get in the details okay. of the Sandy and to look at what is here and what, how would I, how would we, you know, someone like you or me, Sandy, who maybe knows a little bit more about this, how would we approach someone with this and what would we do with this resource? Well, I get calls from people asking uh, for training or that they want to volunteer. And many of the things that I'm involved in are uh, for professional um, child providing service providers, law enforcement, victim service. And so the materials that I have may not meet the immediate need of a community member. This is a great resource for me to give to them. 
it's also a great resource for people to be empowered to go and do their own thing instead of waiting for an expert to come and speak to people. So this is not the kind of thing that you need to go and do two days of training in order to walk someone through this. By virtue of the fact you're listening to the show, you probably know already as much or more than you need to to have a a very, um, I don't want to say a low, but a, a fundamental conversation mm-hmm. about what human trafficking is. But even people who listen to the show, I talk to them and it's like, but if I'm out there, then how? what do I give somebody? This is the answer. This is the tool. So let's start off with the first question. What is human trafficking? And it does a really good job here of in one paragraph explaining it's modern day slavery that uses force, fraud, or coercion to obtain some type of labor or commercial sex act. Thousands of men, women, and children are trafficked into forced labor situations and into the sex trade worldwide. Many of these victims are lured from their homes with false promises of well-paying jobs. Instead, they're forced or coerced into prostitution, domestic servitude, or other types of forced labor. Victims are found in legitimate and illegitimate labor industries, in sweatshops and massage parlors, and agricultural fields, and restaurants, and hotels, and domestic service. That's one paragraph, and everybody in the room begins to think through what do they see in their community? Um, Do they go by agricultural fields? Everybody goes by restaurants and hotels. So we start to think, how does this fit my particular community? Mm, Fabulous. And then it also goes into an explanation of who are the victims and who's at risk. So we get a perspective on, um, you know, who who are the people that this is affecting now. And then like we've talked about a lot on the show, Sandy, from a prevention standpoint, who are the kinds of people and in the kinds of situations that we should be watching for and paying very special attention to and putting some of the time and resources we talked about on the last show into that may or may not always be the obvious places, but that will help continue to keep this from becoming a bigger problem. Exactly, exactly. And the the part that's a little distressing is we don't get to see, oh, that's a victim. What they give us is a trafficking victim can be any age, any race, gender, or nationality. So our our kind of stereotypes based on a lot of the documentaries, we pretty much think of trafficking victims as mostly um, teenage girls that have been abused and have sold, been sold and commercially sexually exploited. But this coffee break training makes us kind of expand to begin to think about all the other people that are also at risk of being exploited and how these victims with no or little social safety net um, are vulnerable sometimes because of their um, illegal immigration status or um, limited English proficiency and they may be in political instability or the result of natural disasters like when we had the earthquake in, um, in, in Haiti and over and over again. And of course, in our contemporary world right now, these, the wars and, and um, violence 
creates absolute um, unstable circumstances for families. And if you have no stability and someone offers you stability, you're going to be much more vulnerable to take that opportunity. And so understanding who that victim is and their increased vulnerability as an aspect of why they are more likely to be a victim is part of understanding how we can end human trafficking. Yeah, you use the word distressed, I I think in a really good way here, Sandy, in that this document really challenges us to get beyond what we probably can conventionally think of as our stereotypes of trafficking victims. And certainly there are a lot of people who are in those demographics. And there are a lot of people who are in some of those broader categories that we may not think of right away. But like you mentioned, the wars and national natural disasters that have been in the news in the past few months around the world are also places where we see human trafficking emerge from the stability standpoint. And so this document really challenges us in a good way to look beyond just the a simple stereotypical definition and to look broadly at what trafficking is and how it shows up in a lot of different ways. And I think that's the key to this why this is such a brilliant one-page tool, the coffee break training. Um, The big question everybody has is, so then how do I, Sandy Morgan, how do I identify human trafficking? If it's hidden in plain sight, um, what can I do to have a better grasp so that I would recognize when I need to take um, some kind of action and call that 888-3737-888 number that you guys talk about all the time? So- and there's three sections here. So this they, they divide this document up into two pieces. The first one, we kind of talked about the what is human trafficking, who are the victims. And then the second piece here is, okay, what can I do? And they really divide this up into you know some indicators, and they identify three separate sections of indicators. So behavior or physical state uh, is the first one. The second one as social behavior and then finally, work conditions and immigration status. So all of these are, are things we'd want to look at when we're thinking about, you know, how can I help and what can I do and how can I identify victims? And so if, if we want to um, identify a human trafficking victim, then we aren't looking for a single indicator. We're looking at a few things that when it put it's put together, it creates um, a picture of someone that something just isn't right. Yeah, and that's that's what we want to be able to do here. So that first one, their behavior or physical state. What are some of the questions we should be asking? Some of them listed here are: Does the victim have few or no personal possessions? Does the victim act fearful, anxious, depressed? submissive, tense, or nervous? Has the victim been harmed or deprived of food, water, sleep, medical care, or other life necessities? And and Sandy, I, I think you make a really good point here that this isn't like a checklist that you add up to a certain number, and if the number is higher than whatever number that they are a victim or not, it's a list of indicators. And that if there's a lot of them, and if you and it and it it, it gives us another point to say, hey, you know, this is something I wouldn't have thought about before coming across someone. And I see a lot of these things and I have a funny feeling about this situation. Maybe here's 
something else that could be going on. So we get someone who wouldn't normally be thinking about human trafficking to think about that and maybe call the tip hotline and say, hey, you know, I'm noticing that this is a weird situation. Is mm. this a place where there's there's more going on than just what it looks like on the surface? Well, and when this is happening in our community, that second category of social behavior, um, that's something that the professional who's just on the site for a few minutes isn't going to be able to have um, any see any patterns because they're not part of the community. But you and I, we go by that place every day at the same time, um, or or this is actually in our neighborhood um, over and over again. Victims who have been victims of domestic servitude have been identified by neighbors who began to say, "Hmm, that little girl doesn't go to school," or "Hmm, that." that young person doesn't seem to ever have a day off. They're working at that place every single day. Mm -hmm. So seeing those kinds of things. So the social behaviors, uh, they just have four points. One of them is, does it seem like they um, freely contact their friends and family? And does the victim allow to socialize or attend religious services? Does the victim have freedom of movement, which you hit on just just a minute ago? And then finally, has the victim or family been threatened with harm if the victim attempts to escape? And and of course, we're if we're in a community and and you're starting to feel that that uncomfortable, like something's not right, you're not going to go up and ask this person. So, has anybody threatened you? Yeah, you're not going to know that. No, uh-uh. and you don't want to create a situation where you increase their risk. But if if they seem um, uncomfortable in their situation. And, and I, I love the question um, in the first segment, if they are always deferring to somebody else and looking at them before they speak. So they're afraid um, and they have to check in with somebody else. They're, that's part of that social construct that um, says something isn't just quite right. Mm, interesting. The victim that um, attends church and is still a victim. They absolutely over and over again. I hear stories of, um, especially domestic servitude stories, where they actually went to church, and everybody in church thought, um, yes, they're working a lot, but they didn't think too much about this. But when they actually had a conversation with um, a victim that they had seen over and over again, they learned that that victim wasn't able to freely contact their friends and family because somebody made friends with the person sitting in front of them and said, so um, let me have your number. I'll call you and we'll invite you to such a, oh no, I can't do that. Oh, so they did come to the church, but then they weren't allowed to have free contact with other people and go um, to other things. Interesting, interesting. And that began to raise some red flags and somebody reported it. And a victim of domestic servitude who had been there for several years was rescued. Wow. Uh, that's not the kind of thing that patrol cars going street by street, that they're going to be able to identify. So this coffee break, break training that equips everyday people just means that somebody's going to ask a question that raises a red flag and then you're not going to investigate. You're just going to call the number. 
And the third section here is work conditions and immigration status. And I think probably this in particular may be relevant in, in the workplace a little bit, but but could be you know working in a domestic situation too. So does the victim work excessively long or unusual hours? Uh, is the victim a juvenile engaged in commercial sex? We may not may or may not know that, but that's certainly a, a point to be aware of. Um, has the victim been threatened with deportation or law enforcement action? Is the victim in possession of identification and travel documents? If not, who has control of those documents? Gets back to what you talked about a minute ago, Sandy, of you know deferring to others and not having free access to contact or your own resources or your own papers. Well, and if their wages are being held to pay off um, a debt that they may think they owe because of their transportation, and this always, especially when we're talking about people who don't have documentation, um, the difference between smuggling and human trafficking, and it's very clearly identified on here, and I'll just read it so you guys don't think you have to be smart to do this. You just have to read. Human trafficking is different from human smuggling. Trafficking is exploitation-based and does not require movement across borders or any type of transportation. So when someone owes a debt and they're under control of someone else, then this is a red flag that they may be indeed a trafficking victim. I think I think the other thing that we especially talk about here in Southern California is the immigration status issue that's part of that third category. We Human trafficking is about someone's dignity, their slaves, and immigration status is um, a legal issue, and we have lots of people working on that. But the bottom line for personal dignity is are they enslaved? Are they able to walk away? And when someone is um, in a compromised situation because of the lack of paperwork, they often do not believe that you or I will help them. They believe that no one will help them. And I've heard them say this over and over again. I didn't know I was a victim. I thought I would go to jail. So being able to identify people who have been marginalized and are at high risk for exploitation sometimes is just having um, a kind word to say to someone who wouldn't ordinarily feel confident in asking for help or in sharing any of their their story that no I can't come because I, I I'm not allowed to use the phone or no I I can't change jobs because I still owe a debt here. Those kinds of things. So many things to think of. And this document really does a pretty pretty great job of being able to create a one-page overview that gets to the depth of a lot of those questions. And I think that that's one of the great things about this, Sandy, is that it you know it's concise, but it also raises a lot of points that open up the opportunity for more conversation around all of these areas. So depending on how interested people are in helping and really uh, working toward prevention, this is something that a little bit of dialogue can really go a long way to open up a lot of doors. Well, and I think there are a lot of professionals, a lot of community service 
people that don't realize that they may have contact with human trafficking victims. Obviously, we've talked about nurses and they can use all of these questions because they're doing assessment and intake when a new patient comes in. Um, People in the travel industry, people in the hotel industry, these are all people who, when they learn just these three categories of questions and they look for these kinds of signs, they may be able to identify someone who is at risk and at least make that phone call so that somebody can check and find out what the real story is. And that call can result in freedom. Absolutely. And that's why we are going to make this resource available. You can certainly get to it through uh, Homeland Security's website, but we'll put a link right to it on the show notes. And so that way you can grab it and utilize it. It's a resource we've all paid for, uh, especially if That's you're here right. in the States with our tax dollars. So it it's uh, it's already there for us. We don't have to go and create it. It's, uh, it's useful and helpful. So I'd really encourage everyone to go check that out. And while you're online looking for it, you know, one of the resources that we're constantly making available, Sandy, is the Facebook page for the Global Center for Women and Justice. Oh, that's right. And you are traveling all over the world. Where have you been just this summer? You've been in Italy. You've been in uh, Colombia. Colombia. You've been a couple other places too, haven't you? Oh, in March, I was in Argentina and um, been in a couple different states here in the U.S. Sandy is all over the world all the time. I'm here in Orange County all the time, but Sandy's all over the world. And uh, you can follow her travels on the Facebook site. Uh, We do a really good job of getting photos up there, where she's at. Uh, But even more importantly, the photos, just things that are going on with the center, resources, tools, tips, uh, articles, things that are happening in the media that are relevant to the work that we're doing to end human trafficking. There's over a thousand people that are uh, Facebook fans on the Global Center for Women and Justice Facebook's uh, site. So if you'd like to join us as well uh, and you use Facebook, go over to Facebook, just do a search for the Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. I said the, Sandy, but actually it just it just is Global Center for Women and Justice at Vanguard University. But if you type that in, it'll pop up. Well, and we we tweet too. We do. Yes. Sure. We're baristas, Uh, we're baristas, we're birds. Uh We do everything that starts with the letter B. So uh, yeah, we do tweet as well. And it's V-U-G-C-W-J, I believe. So that's our Twitter handle. And then my own has been at Sandy Morgan, S-A-N-D-I-E-M-O-R-G-A-N. And so I tweet both both places because I've been around on Twitter for a very long time. You have, you have. Yes, and now this this fall we are launching Instagram because oh, that's cool. an entirely new community for me to learn about, and um, I'm loving it. I'm just learning how to use Instagram, and I feel like there are so many ways for us to use social media in ending human trafficking and uh, sharing links to resources like the coffee break, this can become part of our dialogue in our community so that we do increase the ability for our community to recognize victims so that it is no longer a crime hidden in plain sight. Sandy, we've talked about this on the show before, but the people who are doing trafficking are using technology in order to do it um, very, very successfully, unfortunately, in a lot of situations. And so 
we should be at least doing as much as possible to utilize technology to uh, to end human trafficking. And the more that we're all connected with each other, having dialogue, collaborating, just like the recent report has challenged all of us to do, then we are working together and we are helping real people get out of real difficult situations. And that is, and, and prevent from even getting into them in the first place. And we create a climate where slavery cannot exist. And I hope someday, Sandy, we can end this show. Yeah, And there will right. be no more need for it. Unfortunately, that uh, is not going to happen in the extremely near future. So we will be back two weeks from now with more resources and tips. In the meantime, we always love to hear from you. If you have a comment, a question for us that you'd like us to address on a future show, or just some feedback about how you've utilized what you've learned on the show, we hope you'll email us. You can always write us on Facebook too, but the email address is gc wj at vanguard.edu and that stands for the global center for women and justice here at vanguard university and you can also reach us by phone if you're here in north america and sandy you can, you can call us at 714-966-6360 and we'll see you again in uh, two weeks thanks sandy thanks dave